If all you want for Christmas is sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, well then, ho, 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 welcome to the Just Not Sports Podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything and everything they like, just not sports. Today, oh, it's a Christmas spectacular. We'll talk to former Colts tight end and Super Bowl winner Ben Utek who deserves yet another gold ring for releasing an awesome and awe-inspiring Christmas album. And we'll take a special look back at the greatest Christmas movie ever made, the Hulk Hogan classic, Santa with Muscles. Now with even more muscles. I am your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Adam is traveling this week. He is very sorry to be missing you guys. But on the phone, our well-traveled and Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, how are you doing? I'm doing great, boys. I love this time of year. I love the holidays, and I hate missing the Chad Brown episode to start this whole thing. I was 16 years old. It was 20 years ago this year when I called Brad right around Christmas to say, hey, Brad, my house burned down last <laughs> oh, night. I totally so forgot that. It, it is that nobody was injured. All the pets were boarded. We were leaving town the next day. But ever since then, I've loved this time of year, totally sincerely, as a way to get together with family and say, hey, look, we're all still here. How lucky we all are. Uh, So, everyone, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and I hope nobody's house burns down. Yeah, man. Let me break this down a little bit for the listeners. So, this was Christmas of 96, right? It was 1995, 20 years ago this year. Okay, 95 Christmas. I was... At home, my mom came home and said I was at the bank. I ran into Gareth's mom, and his house burned down. So I, I piled into the gray Pontiac station wagon, uh, a legendary car, amazing, and drove over to your house. I got out of the car. Fire department's still around. Your neighbor's mulling around, and I ran towards your house to, like, you know, just check in. And all the water that the fire department had sprayed had frozen, and just created a lake of ice, and I just wiped out on the way to your house, <laughs> and I just like slid into the house. Just not a good day for me. I mean, yeah, I'm sure I, it was worse for you, but really not not my best moment, Gareth. Well, look, as a way by way of opening up too much about this and going too long, but it is the holiday season. Uh, I remember you trying to walk in the burnt out shell of a front door, and my dad yelling to you, "Hey, Brad." Make sure you wipe your feet before you go in there. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. That I will remember forever. We're sorry about your house. Try not to burn down the studio. <laughs> we got a long show. Let's uh, step by step. Don't touch any candles. Leave the light sockets alone. Go buy new lights for the Christmas tree. Also with us in studio, our hardworking, always available producer, Joe Reed. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Brett. How are you? Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas. Gareth, I'm sorry to hear about your house. Uh, 20 years ago, Christmas, I was uh, five years old, so I, I don't remember anything about anything that was going on. Shots so about fired. Your, about your house. My God, you're a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, that's it. You lost your mic privileges. I know. I'm gone. <laughs> Making us feel old. Well, anyway, um, thank you for everybody listening this holiday week. We have a lot of fun Christmas stuff to throw at you. Uh, just want to 
just throw it out to the Sparkle Ponies who are listening, the beautiful and unique Sparkle Ponies. Please go on iTunes when you download the show. Leave us a comment, a rating. We've done a comment of the week the last few episodes, and I want to give a little bit of love, Christmas love, to Nico Von Thunderland. Clearly a real name. Called us the perfect pod on the way to work and said we were splendid. So, Nico, I just want to say you are a great man, and you are clearly also Thor's butler. So thank you for everything you're doing. <laughs> Gareth, anything to say to Nico Von Thunderland? Nico, I'm curious as to how you commute. I mean, are you on a train, subway, a car? I'd like to know more about this commute, uh, but I'm glad we can make it better for you. So Nico, keep it up. Nico rides bolts of lightning. <laughs> it's a quick commute. So he only gets about half the show in, but uh, it's well worth it. It's good, good, uh, good distraction for him. Uh, also, another thing we've made a regular part of the show is throwing down the hammer. Uh, as people who have been listening since the beginning know, Adam, our fearless co-host, called out a few of his old NFL chums to join the show. So this week, we want to throw down the hammer and publicly call out a few people in the world of the sports to join us and talk about what they like away from sports. So Gareth... Who are you going to throw them the hammer to? Guys, it's the Christmas episode. I wanted to do something appropriate to this time of year because I do genuinely love it. And when I was in college, my senior year, my roommates and I did a 24-hour radio marathon to raise money for Toys for Tots. And then we went on a shopping spree with the $2,500 that we had raised. And it was awesome. Like just running through the aisles and buying toys for kids was awesome. So that in mind, one of my favorite things every year is when Andre Johnson, now of the Indianapolis Colts, nice. does a shopping spree for kids who need toys around Christmas. He shows the big long receipt, 20K or whatever. So I would like to get Andre Johnson on the podcast to talk about toys. Nice, nice. My favorite toy was uh, a DVD copy of Santa Has Muscles with Hulk Hogan, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um my hammer for the week that I'm throwing down, I know, yeah, we're talking Christmas, we're talking the holiday spirit, we're talking gifts, but what everyone else in the world is talking about is Star Wars. And there's an athlete out there who's got a special relationship to the Star Wars movies, and that's Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Chris Conley, formerly of Georgia. When he was actually at Georgia, he was part of a fan film about Star Wars, which is awesome. You should check it out. I believe it's called Star Wars Retribution. So just Google Chris Conley, Star Wars film. It'll show up. Very cool. Very timely. Come on the show, man. Let's talk about Star Wars. Let's talk about the Battle of Jakku. Let's talk about Kylo Ren and whether he's the son of Princess Leia. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie when we're recording this. So spoiler alert, let's make this happen. All right, if you've got someone you want... Can we talk prequels in that? Are we, are we in a universe where the Star Wars prequels exist, and can we talk about those? Yes, because, Gareth, you and I saw episode one together, and we were watching the movie. I was so excited. This was 97, I think. 99, maybe, whenever it came out. We're watching the movie together. We leave the theater, and I just remember being like, yeah, yeah, like that Darth Maul and like the, the lightsabers, and, and you know, the, the droids look cool. And then, like, two weeks later, we're just sitting, like, in this little part of town that we grew up in where everyone sat. And I just looked at Gareth, and I was like, man, that movie sucked. (laughs) 
just <laughs> sucked. And I was in denial for like two weeks. And then I was like, oh, my childhood ruined. I, I honestly didn't see the third prequel until about two years ago. And these are the sorts of things I would also like to discuss. Because I feel like at this point, if you're our age, you can't talk about Star Wars and not get into that a little bit. So Absolutely. that's on the table, too, for this hammer. All right. Well, Chris, join the show. Star Wars on the table. Uh, Andre, join the show. Let's talk about toys. Let's talk about Star Wars toys. It's all there. And if you've got people you want us to talk to, email us, justnotsports at gmail, or tweet at justnotsports. Let's get on to the show. We'll be right back with Ben Utech talking all about holiday albums. Oh, now look here, my boy. It's about to start. Fill it, my boy, with the sound of your heart. Make it go boom, sha la 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 Our guest today is Ben Utek. Ben was an undrafted free agent out of the University of Minnesota who got a chance with the NFL's Indianapolis Colts in 2004 and made the most out of it. The versatile tight end became an important weapon for Peyton Manning, and in 2006 he helped the team win its only Super Bowl ring of the Manning era. Unfortunately, injuries cut his career short, but in the years since his retirement, Ben has become an important voice in raising awareness for player safety and especially concussion awareness. And while we're huge supporters of his work for player safety today, we're going to focus primarily on another aspect of his voice, his singing. Ben is an accomplished singer who is especially relevant this time of year as he's released an inspirational collection of Christmas music called A Christmas Hope. Ben, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So I know when we were arranging the interview, you said you had a, a number of rehearsals this time of year. How how much are you actually out there performing um, around Christmas? Well, Christmas is always it's always busy, and it's it's really a classical holiday season. And so people tend to go back to what they know, and what they know are all the songs that we grew up listening to: White Christmas and First Noel and Oh Holy Night and Silent Night and Away in the Manger, and, and I'm sure you could add many to the list. And and so it. Um, it's a fun time to just go back and and uh, remember um, and and uh, you know those songs are really what connect us during this holiday season and 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 so I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to use another gifting to you know to show people a little bit more about my my heart and my passions and music is that for me and and I get to stay busy during the December month. How would you describe the pressure you feel reimagining some of these Christmas songs? Because you just said it. A lot of these are tracks <laughs> that we grew up with, and yeah. we have very emotional connections, not just to the song or the artist even, but a, a particular way that Bing Crosby rolls the R in White Christmas or whatever. What, what do you have to do as an artist to reimagine standards that have been part yeah. of the culture for decades? Well, that's a great question, and two shows that I have coming up at the end of December at Chanhassen Dinner Theater here in Minneapolis um, uh, is, is uh, revolving around the best of Andy Williams and Bing Crosby. Oh, and, and so you're right. You step into these monstrous shoes of these uh, old, old-time classic crooners, uh, true singers. You know, right. guys, when you go back and just go back and listen to Andy Williams and you just sit there and go, wow, like, where is that voice today? You know, and I'm, listen, I'm a pop rock guy, but I, I get lost 
when I listen to Andy Williams because it's just, you know, that, that pure tenor singer who, who just knows how to deliver a line. And quite honestly, if you get caught up in trying to be like the greats, uh, you'll never you'll never do them justice. And so really the approach that I take is, you know, you, you put together the best show possible. You honor their arrangements, you know, by putting together great band with great musicians. And then as a singer, um, you allow yourself to make it your own. You know, don't don't try and sing like Bing Crosby because it's impossible. <laughs> right or Andy Williams, or Frank Sinatra, or Tony Bennett. You, you just, you just, you allow them to kind of, in their music and their arrangements, to kind of flow through you, and you, uh, I think you really pay tribute to, to those greats by, by uh, making it your own, and doing it out of respect. Your, your version of White Christmas had a really interesting part to me, in that I really enjoyed how you took up the orchestral arrangement in the middle, and gave it that little extra oomph. So talk about the thought process around that arrangement particularly, because, I mean, there's nothing more iconic, in my opinion, than White sure. Christmas. I mean, I grew up watching the movie. My mom made me watch it every year, three to four times. Right. And I, I, yeah. I, even that was like, oh, wow, that's a new wrinkle to me as someone who's heard that a thousand times. Well, that's see, that's and that's what I'm talking about. It's You know, you, you listen to that song and you say, wow, I don't want, I don't want to do... I don't want to com- completely go down a, you know, uh, a different path to where it's no longer recognizable. But at the same time, you know, how can this be, you know, how can this be a Ben Utek White Christmas? And to be honest with you, the inspiration came from the fact that I'm a dad of all girls and I'm a dad of Disney girls. <laughs> and so I began to think about I, I began to think about White Christmas through the lens of 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 Disney. Uh, of Disney cinematic scores, and how could I, how could I approach this orchestrally through, you know, um, through the lens of a of a little girl watching a a Disney princess movie, and so that's um, that's that's as fatherly a, a, of an answer as I can give to that. Is is it really came through through wanting to um, to you know to bring that cinematic um, world that of music that we love to listen to when we watch film and add it to such a classic song like white christmas you do realize that disney's going to charge you for this now <laughs> yeah well <laughs> they they make enough money right right now talk about the challenge and the nerves of performing music versus playing in the nfl and i know people are going to say that's a silly question you're someone who's played in a super bowl but I still have to think that mm-hmm. you, you, what you don't, I mean, there's a, just a different level of mental preparation, f- meeting physical preparation, meeting adrenaline on stage, especially when you have to retain voice control and things like that. So how would you describe the, the, your thought process before performance and compare it to your football days? Yeah, man, that's a great, you know, I, I, I've tried to, to really um, help people understand that you know, when you when you when you when you get into a tunnel, into an NFL tunnel, you you, you have a, you know, you, you're you're incredibly anxious because you want to get out there and you want to get that first play done because you realize, really, for the next three hours, on average, sixty to seventy plays, you're you're going to go to war with another man, right? Someone's going to line up across you, and 
you're going to both use your bodies to inflict, you know, physical, um, you know, physical domination over the opponent. And that, that, that in itself is, is for me, it was, was what was such a, you know, a factor in, in uh, what my mental preparation was, is, is, you know, the nerves were all about getting, you know, getting through that game uh, and battling against guys across from you. Whereas in music, you're not, it's not a physical sport, um, but it's an, it's a very mental, it's a very emotional sport. And, and so, you know, I played on a Super Bowl field, but I also sang a national anthem for two presidents and, and a birthday song to Muhammad Ali. And, (laughs) and there's no football pads on when I'm doing that. I'm in front of, I'm in front of hundreds of people who can look right at me. They can look into my eyes and I am being micro, you know, I'm being put through uh, speakers so that every little thing that comes out of my mouth, you can hear. And so when you make a mistake on the football field with 22 other players on, on the field, a lot of times that can get missed, but man, when you make a mistake singing, everybody knows about it. So there's a lot of pressure on both sides of, you know, of the equation. And uh, there's a lot of correlation, uh, bet- you know, between the two, believe it or not. Yeah, and, and do you feel more vulnerable on stage? You, like you said, it, it's not just that you're singing and you're kind of naked up there, but your emotions in the song are on full display. As someone who wore a helmet for their career, is what kind of adjustment was that to transition into this type of performing? Well, I think, uh, you know, you, you use the right word and as big masculine football players, I think to, to talk about vulnerability is always comes across as a weakness, but I've always looked at it more as, uh, embracing, you know, what is true about all of us as humans. And that's that we're emotional people. And, you know, for me as a, as a singer uh, and as a communicator, you know, I do so much speaking that's. I do that, that, you know, as much, if not more than singing. And, and, um, it's really, you know, the art form of being able to connect with people only comes through vulnerability. I mean, if you really want to get people to emotionally connect to something, whether it's a speech or it's a song, you have to be vulnerable on stage. You have to pour yourself into what you're speaking or singing about because, the audience will know these are intelligent people. They, they can feel it, you know, and that's, I think when you look at, when you look back over the great singers, these are people that emote through their music, you know, and that's, uh, I think that's uh, a quality that a good singer has. What's your favorite song to perform? Um, do you, or do you have one? Man, that's tough. Um, over the last year since I put out uh, my music video, You Will Always Be My Girls, that it, you know revolves around my concussion story. It's just been a joy to see how that song has impacted people's lives. And, and so, um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed performing that for people because it's given me a chance to tell my concussion story and how important memories are to the identity of who we are. Um, but it's also a seasonal question. I mean, when you get into the Christmas season, I, I, you know, I love singing these classics. I love singing 
Oh Holy Night, and and uh, we have a on my Christmas album. We do a really cool version of Ave Maria, and so that's yeah. that's always fun because you know people don't expect the uh, six seven tight end to you know sing a song in Latin, you know. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> so you know, <clears throat> it's you know, so I mean, really, it's it's uh, th- there's there's a number of different songs that I really enjoy singing. Um, and then in different genres, and it's it's always fun to just see people's reaction. I I thought your Ave Maria was was your strongest song. I mean, just I look, I'm an outsider, but you mentioned the Latin. It it, it almost as I was listening to it, I was like, man, I just it, it took me about a halfway through it before I realized I'm listening to Latin, which is a compliment to you that it just seems seamless. But how do you perform in a foreign language, and how cognizant are you about? Are you able to fully kind of decompress and be like, okay, I'm just in the moment? Or are you always thinking pronunciation? Or are you always thinking details that you're not thinking with your native? Yeah, language? you know, it's always it's 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 just like game preparation. You know, you you prepare each week for a different team, and you work so hard during the week so that when Sunday comes, you don't have to it, think about it's it. Second, it's it's about second it. nature, and so I I uh, even though I'm a even though I'm more of a pop rock guy at heart, I was trained classically. And through classical training, you, you sing a lot of different arias and you sing in, a, in different languages. And so, you know, phonetically you get used to that. And, and so, um, you know, and great singers have good ears. And so I think, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time, whenever I sing a language piece, I mean, I, the, the, the beginning of my preparation really revolves around listening. I must listen to, I must listen to the original you know, piece of work, you know, tens, tens of times before I, before I even begin to attempt it. And then I break it down and and make sure that everything's right. And most importantly, I understand what I'm singing because, um, you have to, you you can't deliver a line properly if you don't know what the line is saying. (laughs) And so, you know, I've, and I've had a chance to write in Italian, which has been really fun and work with people and, um, in doing that. And, and so again, it's, you know, music is, it's so universal and it touches people, uh, in, in all sorts of different ways. And so, uh, singing in languages has always been a lot of, you know, a lot of fun for me because it's a very specific group, you know, I mean, it's, it's that Josh Groban, uh, type of audience that, um, that really is the kind of audience that loves to, you know, to, to come to Christmas shows as well. I'm going to put you on the spot. It's Christmas morning. You guys are opening up gifts. Are you listening to your own CD? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't personally, but, I, but, but here's, let me, I'll just say, I'll say this, and this is not to be egotistical in any way, but I get the most joy when my daughters ask for my music, you know, I've got a six year old, I've got identical twins that are five and we just had a five month, but, but my five, my six year old and my, my twin girls, um, they, they just, they love their daddy. They love them and they love their, and they love his singing. And so it's so much fun to watch them run around and dance to your music. And, um, you know, I've, I've been, you know, walking outside their, their doors, you know, at night and, and have caught them singing some of the songs. And, 
I mean, that, that just, that, that is, that's the reason why I do it. You know, it doesn't, you know, you, you can't go into music to make a lot of money because it's, it's, um, it's a very difficult, very difficult industry. Um, but you do it because you love it and you do it because you, you hope that, uh, your music can impact people's lives in a positive way. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think the music is great. I love the album. Um, we'll encourage people to check it out. I mean, they can still buy it, I believe on Amazon. That's where I was, um, sniffing around it. And clearly you've got the website, yeah. uh, Ben, uh, com. Now, Ben, we always end our interviews by, you know, we know that athletes have to go through those annoying aptitude tests, like the wonder lick. And so we like, sure. we like to do one we call the wonder like, which is five questions about something you like. So in this case, Christmas music, I've got five questions just about the song white Christmas locked and loaded. Okay. How do you think you're going to do on this? I mean, I don't, I don't really know what, what the format is. So, <laughs> but like anything else, I'm going to try my best. Yeah. I'm going to give you everything I got. All right. Well, I'm ready to go. Here we go. Question one, true or false. The song white Christmas was written for the 1954 movie white Christmas with Bing Crosby. False. That's right. It was, it's kind of a, a holiday. Inn. That's right. Holiday Inn, which I think is a superior film. Um, other than the whole like blackface routine Bing does for Abe Lincoln's holiday or birthday, which we won't talk about. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, all right. Question two, what key is white Christmas traditionally performed in? <laughs> um, I'm dreaming. What is that? Um, geez, it's a, is it a, a G? What I found online and we all know nothing online is ever wrong, Ben. Is C major? Yeah, I know. C major. C ma- C major was okay. G or C? I'm usually with pitch. I'm usually about a half step to a step off, so that would make sense. Um, yeah, I had no idea on that one. I played trumpet in high school, but that's about as close as I can get to recognizing um, keys. No, C major. That's like the easiest. It's it's all the white keys on the piano, so it's it's like the easiest to sing. Okay, well, good. Well, it sounds complicated. So, <laughs> um, all right. True or false? The Bing Crosby White Christmas is the highest-selling single ever in the United States. True. Yes. And again, according to to my sources on the interwebs, uh, it is definitely true. Um, and like you said, it's, yep. it's just a standard this holiday season. Everyone's listening to it. Absolutely. All right. Which artist recorded a version of White Christmas first, the Beach Boys, Elvis, or Frank Sinatra? Jeez. Oh, I mean... Elvis. It was Sinatra, and actually, Sinatra. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I, you know, that was my my first thought, and then I thought well, they were in the same market, so I didn't know if if they'd be competing. But that, you know, obviously that makes sense. It threw me off because Sinatra's like early, early crooning time was just a different era for mm-hmm. him, and so it was 1944. And I also think that time artists more readily um, recorded each other. Um, just re-recorded on the fly, whereas now that would never happen. All right, and number five, Irving Berlin allegedly tried to convince radio stations not to play a cover of White Christmas by what famous male singer? Shoot, and there's no, there's no hints like decade. I have. No I'll give idea. you one hint. Um, I'll give you one hint. It was not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Gosh, this I, I would have no idea. Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, it was Elvis. He didn't like the Elvis oh, well, version. Oh. He probably thought it was too racy. Somehow. Well, I could see. You know, Elvis has the chops. He to where I could see him like doing. He could. He could. He. You know, I could see him. You know, adding tempo to it and and taking it out of. You know, its context. That see that. To me, that that's I think perfect example of a song that's like, in my opinion, that's like the the Star Spangled Banner. Like. Don't mess with it. <laughs> right, yeah. Don't mess with it. Sing, sing the crap. Just sing the hell out of it. Just sing it the way that it was created. You know, it's, you know, like with the national anthem, it's like, I mean, just sing it. Don't, don't, you don't have to put all these scales in and all these runs and just sing the song. And you'll, you know, you'll, and you'll just, you know, you'll shock people. True. You're going to hate my Calypso version of it with hip-hop in the background from my, my co-hosts. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> ben, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great discussion. I just want to tell people they can follow you at Twitter, at BenUtech. They can go to your website, ben-utech.com. And then the album A Christmas Hope is available on Amazon. And uh, you're doing such a great job raising awareness for concussions. I also encourage people to check out the song you mentioned, um, You Always Be My Girls, the song you wrote to your daughters um, about... Uh, you know, always wanting to remember them despite, um, you know, some of the after effects of, of, of football and concussions. So, we, you know, yeah. we're all going to follow your career. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best, especially this time of year. Thank you so much. When you think of Santa Claus, most people think of a red suit, and a fluffy white beard, but I prefer to think of black litter boots, a rhinestone belt, and a sleeveless tank top so everyone can see Santa's greased-up 24-inch pythons. That's right, that's the premise of the 1996 holiday classic Santa with Muscles, which stars Hulk Hogan, the famous wrestler, as a mall Santa who goes on a righteous rampage after losing his memory. The movie is generally regarded as one of the worst holiday films of all time, and resides in IMDb's bottom 100 movies ever. (laughs) Not Christmas movies ever. But what does America know? I've watched this film online. (laughs) I love this film because it was free. It's Christmas. We're going to talk about this film. So, Gareth, this year, are you going to stop leaving out cookies and instead give Santa that much-needed protein shake? No, I mean, I got a four-year-old. We're leaving out cookies, a carrot for the reindeer. And I have to say, I did not watch this movie, and uh, I want to hear about it. I looked up the IMDb page on it. I didn't realize it was in the bottom 100 movies of all time. Uh, But it's got a very interesting cast, so... It does. I'd like to hear more about that. Right. I mean, look, I'll break it down for people. I've I've watched a lot of game film on this film. (laughs) It... uh, it's uh it's a classic so hulk he plays this eccentric i can't even really tell i think he's like a food slash protein slash uh health you know health food mogul who is also a psychopath and goes on this sort of rampage when was this made this was made in 1996 so in the in the the i guess you would say the waning era of hulkamania so, for, but the early days of protein shakes. Absolutely, it was very innovative in the protein shake market. In fact, I think um, 
really had a lot to do with overall increasing America's fitness around the holidays in general. Not, no, I can't Absolutely. back that up. <laughs> no, so Hulk plays this protein enthusiast who's also kind of a crazy, manic weirdo. He, long story short, he loses memory. He winds up in a in a mall where he thinks he's a mall Santa, and then later comes to think that he's a real Santa, and he's trying to rescue an orphanage from a Howard Hughes style mad scientist. It's very con- very convoluted. Ed, ba- Ed Bagley Jr. plays the the mad scientist in question who's trying to unearth some magic crystals from beneath the orphanage. So it was a it was kind of like a down home realistic view of Christmas, like the Family Stone or something like that. Um, but well worth the watch if if you like, you know, seeing Santa do things like beat up people in front of kids. That that nothing says Christmas like that. Or Mila Kunis. That, yeah, Mila Kunis her I think it's her second credited film role. And she's young. She looks really, really young. Um, but she's good. I thought she she's actually a competent performance. But she's not like tripping over her lines. You could tell she's going to be a decent actress. I knew you guys weren't gonna all watch the movie, which is fine. I don't recommend that everybody watch the movie. It's kinda like going to a book club and it's like there's somebody who's like, ah, I didn't read it. You know, I don't think you need to devote an hour and a half to Santa um uh, Santa's got muscles or Santa with muscles. Let me ask you a big picture question though, Gareth and Joe jump in as you need. Do you have more respect for the athlete? And we're classifying Hulk as an athlete here for the athlete who goes big, goes for broke with a film role like this, where they're playing like a crazy Santa versus something like LeBron, where he got a ton of credibility and, and kudos for playing himself, but only a slightly tweaked version of himself in the movie Trainwreck from this summer. Like, do you want an athlete to go crazy, like Shaq and Steel, or do you want them to sort of do a subtle acting touch? Uh, Look, I like when they go for broke and they don't just play themselves an athlete. Like, it doesn't work most of the time. Uh, But still, I like the fact that Howie Long took a swing at being an action star. And I've talked to people who were around Fox at that time when he was getting on, when they were launching the NFL on Fox, people around him really thought he was going to be the next Schwarzenegger. And as somebody who shouted out saying, I want to drop the hammer on a deceased Chuck Connors. I think when an athlete can pull it off and actually act, I mean, a lot of athletes have charisma. It's why we do this show as opposed to, I think when an athlete can act and play a role as opposed to playing themselves, it's cool, and I would give them more props for doing that. I think that that's to be – we'll trash their movies, but it's with nothing but love. I'd rather see more athletes doing that than playing themselves. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I actually – I mean, Hulk is not what you would consider good in this movie. <laughs> and, in fact, I think he's actually <laughs> superior in stuff like Mr. Nanny and, and other – uh, or whatever else he was in. I, Mr. He, Nanny was a legitimate, like, bad comedy movie when we were growing up. Like, that was just, uh, like, Santa with Muscles, I don't think ever actually hit a theater. But Mr. Nanny, or, like, that stuff played in theaters. I remember it. All right, since you guys didn't watch the movie, I want to do a little game, <clears throat> which we call Santa with Muscles, real or make-believe. I'm going to give you some scenarios, and you're going to tell me whether they were really in the movie. <laughs> or whether they were make-believe. Gareth, 
The movie features not one, but two mad scientists. Uh, I'm going to say real because you've already mentioned crystals being involved. So I'm going to say that is in the movie. It's not. There's definitely one mad scientist, and then the other guy is more of a mad doctor. Joe's nodding his head like you know. Yeah, Joe? Uh, No, I would have gotten that wrong for sure. Okay. Okay, how about Santa tells a news crew that he got strong by eating elves, elf meat. Gareth, true or false? Real or make-believe? That is, that is not in the movie. <laughs> Correct. Now, he did say he got strong by eating reindeer meat. Equally horrifying. <laughs> Equally oh horrifying. All right, Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. Hulk Hogan has short hair in this movie, not his trademark mullet. Real or make-believe? I watched the trailer, so I know that this is true. It is true. Shocking lack of hair for Hulk. And not where you'd normally be not shocked to lack hair. On the top, it's in the back. It's business in front, no party in back. It's very (laughs) odd. Uh, in fact, it, it, it really takes you out of the... You're watching a Hulk movie to get Hulk. It really kind of took me out of it yeah. in a few key spots. Gareth, the movie was produced by someone who was actually played in a different movie by Leonardo DiCaprio. Real or make-believe? I'm going to say it's absolutely real. Who? Howard Hughes? <laughs> no. <laughs> long dead. No, it's uh, uh, Jordan, Jordan Bedford. Belford. Uh, Belford, the Belford. lead character from Wolf of Wall Street, allegedly was um, an was executive producer. And then finally, Hulk has a Hulk's character has a serial called Power Crisp that a grown man in a buddy costume eats by pouring it onto a plate of eggs and potatoes and scarfs it down in front of a bunch of children. Gareth, real or make believe? Absolutely, part of the movie. No, I'm sorry. The grown man pounds the power crisp from a plate of eggs and potatoes in a lamb costume. I'm sorry. It was not a bunny costume. It was a sheep. Part of the part, no bunnies in the uh, Christmas nativity scene, which is that that's referred to. All right. So we're not going to break down movie real or, or, or I mean, good or not good. Go to YouTube. Just search Santa with muscles to watch it. I, I do want to do a couple things here really fast. Speed round. Okay. Gareth, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a movie role, and you give me an, a sports figure or an athlete who would be good in that role right now. Okay, you ready? Pretty good. I like. All this. right, Joe, you can jump in on yeah. this too. Ready? All right. Scrooge. Gareth. Greg go. Popovich. Popovich is Scrooge Ooh, is great. That Joe, is a really good anything? one. Maybe Saban. Nick Saban would be good. I said Belichick. Oh damn! That's so he'd a good be one. visited by Parcells the, from the past, and the and like maybe Tom Brady for present, and then future. Like, I don't know. Uh, Josh McDaniels for the future. Yes, who's, who's putting his his body on ice? Um, okay, it's a wonderful life. Who would play George Bailey? What sports figure? Uh, based off looks alone, uh, Brad Stevens is the first thing that came to mind. I don't know why I'm going all NBA coaches, but there you go. You got one, Joe. I got nothing. Okay. I got Peyton Manning. Kind of at the end, breaking down. He needs someone to come back and be like, no, you had a great run, man. Got the Super Bowl. You're not Dan Marino. You're Peyton Manning. It worked out. Oh, my God. The, the, like, Clarence on the bridge with Peyton Manning. 
I, I want to make that a tease. Like, I want to make that now. That's <laughs> like, Dungy. It's Dungy, man. The reboot. <laughs> it's Dungy. Like, yeah. hey, we, we did it. We did it. All right. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, Jim Mora. Suicide. Pl- Suicide, George. <laughs> uh, okay. Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. Who plays Macaulay Culkin from sports? Uh, hmm. I, I want somebody that's going to have fun with being Home Alone in the way that I think Macaulay Culkin did. Here's an athlete, and I'm look. I'm more of a football guy than NBA, but I've shouted out J.R. Smith on here. I think he'd have a blast being Home Alone, and I think, given his propensity for hoverboards, you would see some crazy booby traps inside that house. I like that. I like that. Joe, anything? I just watched Home Alone two last night. Lost in New York. Home Alone two colon Lost in New York. Get it lost right. Lost in New. I'm sorry. Lost in New York with his dad's credit card, spending money, having a good time. Maybe Johnny Manziel? Oh, yeah. He'd have yeah, fun. That is Show. the correct answer. Uh, that no, is the correct answer. No, no, I have the correct answer. It's Steph Curry, man. Slipping away from the bigger villains, like just looking like he doesn't really belong in the hotel by himself. Nah, dude, no, he's a little, he's a little too... Johnny Manziel has the impish quality that you need to murder people who are trying to yeah, rob stuff That's from true. You. There I was mean, murder. Let's be honest. Blowtorch to the dome, dude. Like dropping yeah. people. Yeah, lost tough. in New York. He's dropping people like four stories. All right. Two more. Two more. Who plays Clark W. Griswold in Christmas Vacation? Hmm. Gareth? Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, I, I've already done coaches. I don't want to just keep going back to that well. All right. I'm going to keep. I've never seen Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It just uh, who who looks like Chevy Chase. I mean, I, it's not that hard, guys. I did. I did. This isn't the uh, this isn't the SATs. All right, I'll give you mine. It's Royals manager Ned Yost because he always gets criticized for making dumb moves, but in the end, it kind of works out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, final one. The Grinch who stole Christmas. Who plays the Grinch? Should I already use Popovich? You already used Belichick. Uh. I'm gonna shove this tree up the up the chimney because the light won't light on one side. I'm out. I pass. All right. It's Kobe. He's got the intensity. You That's can totally perfect. see him living and training up on the mountain. He's pissed off at the young kids. He comes down, takes all the 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 roast goose, and won't pass. <laughs> Just keep launching shots, Grinch. His shot chart was three times three times too small. Uh, no, I mean, look, he for whatever reason, can't you just see Kobe doing that like kind of devilish smile? You know, like oh, the yeah. Grinch does. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful. All right, guys. Yeah, but I can also picture him telling me about how much he's learned at the end of all. I was going to say he needs the change of heart yeah, at the end Kobe, of the story. I'm just saying, Kobe, come on the show. Let's talk about Kobe Inc. Let's break it all down. All right. I want to talk to Kobe about Italy and Nutella. <laughs> Together? Like, Italy, Nutella, in, they have better Nutella in Italy? Well, no. Like, I want to talk to him about Italy. But at the same time, Kobe's Nutella endorsement is always one of my favorites for any athlete because it – spoke to his background like whoa kobe's doing nutella yeah dude he grew up in europe he probably didn't have peanut butter until his early teenage years you know like he's a hazelnut guy 
Kobe, hammer has been thrown. Come on the show. Let's break it down. Well, hey, we kind of veered off topic, but with a movie like Santa Has Muscles, it's not that hard. But still, check it out on YouTube. Watch it. Live it. Love it. Tear off your sleeves. All right, that's our show for this week. Thank you to all the listeners. In the words of the all-time great Renaissance man, Chris Cluey, you are all beautiful and unique sparkle ponies to us. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at JustNotSports. Email us tips, thoughts, and topics, JustNotSports at gmail.com. Want to give a shout-out to our guest today, Ben Utek from the Colts, formerly of the Colts. His album of Christmas music is available on Amazon. Give a shout-out to Adam, who couldn't join us this week, but will be back with a vengeance next week, trust me. Gareth, who was on the line from wherever the hell in the world he was, and producer Joe Reed. Joe... Your mic privileges, <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> no. Joe, you'll hear more from Joe next week, we hope, once he learns how to talk. Uh, not going to try and do Adam shout-outs. Just know we love you guys. We're thinking of you. And, hey, don't forget, in the words of Shaq, booty rappers, stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty.